Have you ever stopped to think that virtually everything we use in our daily lives is based on technology? Even further, do you understand the software behind this technology? Welcome to The Art of Software with Martin Lacey. In today's program, you'll hear how software is created and implemented, why it's written the way it is, and learn from its success stories, proven best practices, and significant failures. Now, here is your host, Martin Lacey. Good morning and welcome to The Art of Software. I'm your host, Martin Lacey. During today's show, we'll look into the software technology behind cryptocurrency mania and dig into what cryptocurrencies are and why there are so many and how they differ and how they function and what they really are. Uh, we're going to the underpinnings and explore blockchain, uh, what it is and how you, uh, what you can do with it. We will discuss how uh, you can get started building applications that use it and possibly avoid applications that gain little from it. Uh, with insights and first-hand knowledge from industry ex- experts at the EXO Foundation, Anne Connolly and Dr. Sean Conway will spend a nascent blockchain adoption through to current-day application and in-use finance and further into sustainable development. So good day to you both, Anne and Sean. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Thank you, Martin. Uh, can you tell us a bit about uh, yourselves and how you got involved in in, uh, in blockchain and and uh, you know, maybe get us started there? Absolutely. So I can kick it off. Um, essentially, I got my my career started in the humanitarian aid industry. So I came from a completely different sector. Um, I spent a number of years working with Doctors Without Borders. Um, I was an expat with them in Democratic Republic of Congo and Central African Republic. And I think what I saw when I was in a lot of these places was just that the, the problems we were trying to solve were so significant. And the technology that we had available to do that was was just not there. Um, and so I started to read about Bitcoin in 2012. And this was just, a you know, the word kept coming up on Twitter. And uh, I, I started to get curious and read a little bit more about it. And in, in the early days, um, all I could think about was the incredible applications to the humanitarian world that I was working in. I mean, um, you know, when I, when I look back on my time in Central African Republic, I mean, most people, if you ask them, would assume that a country like that is unbanked, you know, and is mostly cash economy. But People right. don't really think about what that looks like in a practical sense. So, you know, we had a project with 200 staff in the middle of nowhere and probably one of the most remote places I will ever be. So how do you get 200 staff's worth of cash salary from the capital to um, a project way out in the middle of nowhere? And, you know, we used to carry the money on our back and we'd carry it through military checkpoints and insecure locations. And then we'd store it in our house and we'd store it in our office. And, um, you know, the number of attacks and kidnappings and robberies that would have uh, happen as a result were, were huge. And so for me, the very first use case that I thought about was um, imagine if we could just transfer Bitcoin from Europe right to the people who are working for us on the ground. And so for me, that was just the absolute beginning of what made me so passionate about cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology. So it was really the, the transfer of value and it trying to eliminate that that middleman or was it the the network itself that you're that was the the problem I mean, in the in the early stages, it was even just a matter of going from physical to digital um, and eliminating, as as you said, all the middlemen throughout that process. Even in this in this case, the middlemen of of driving the cash from one location to another. Um, but then, when I started to learn more about it, it became less about the cryptocurrency itself and more about the decentralization and aspects of being able to, you know, offer people. Um, 
you know, government, government free money and, and all the opportunities around self-governance and digital identity and, and the rest of the use cases that we see in the blockchain space. And that's where, you know, the applications for developing context are, are so exciting. So were, were, did you start end up using um, uh, Bitcoin or did you go into blockchain itself and start digging deeper in that way? So I first launched um, a Bitcoin donation program at the organization I was working at after Doctors Without Borders, which is called Dignitas International. They have some great programs uh, around HIV AIDS in Malawi. Um, and and that was not bad. I think I launched that in 2014 and, and we did okay. Um, uh, but I realized, you know, that just accepting cryptocurrency as another form of donation wasn't really changing the way we did aid and development. It was just kind of, you know, another way of accepting money to do the same things. And so that's where I started to look at the market and what was out there in terms of being able to actually transform the way that we we help others um, around the world. And, and that's when I found Ixo, which is uh, exactly what I was looking for. Yeah, so, and, and that, that, that's where Sean came in. So did, did you and, and Sean um, just have a meeting of minds and how, how did that all come together? Yeah, that was basically <laughs> it. I mean, we met at a conference and um, I, I was talking to anyone I could and, and said, you know, I'm, I'm really passionate about blockchain applications in, in social impact and do you know anything? And um, I ran into one of his team members and, and he looked, gave me this just really funny look and said, that's, that's what you're looking for. It's like, yeah, it's not that crazy. He says, well, we're looking for you, you know. So I, I ended up meeting Sean and told him a bit about my past and my work uh, as well with Singularity University out of California. And uh, we, um, we uh, kicked it off from there. So with your passion, you you delve into blockchain. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you start off using uh, Bitcoin, and there's lots of other um, coins out there. Um, you know, we've got Ether, Ripple, Litecoin, PureCoin, a myriad of others. Can you tell us? Uh, they're, they're all based on blockchain, correct? Yeah, so it sort of depends. I mean, the um, Ethereum is is a blockchain, Bitcoin is a blockchain, and they each have their own uh, token as a part of it. And then there's other tokens that are out there that are actually built on top of Ethereum um, and other ones. So um, it's a really exciting space now. I mean, when I first started, it was pretty much just Bitcoin um, and Ripple. And then, uh, and Sean's got a funny story a little bit about that too, but um now there's there's tons of them out there. And so it's really a matter of evaluating, you know, what does each blockchain bring to the table? I like to think that Bitcoin is really the Model T of blockchains that, you know, as long as um, your favorite color is black, you can buy it in your favorite color. Um, and <laughs> and <laughs> so when you look at some of the functionality of the other ones that are out there, they offer a lot more. And I think we're going to see increasing number of um options available available for people in the blockchain space so that they can find the type of technology that suits their need uh, exactly. Yeah, I've heard Bitcoin is referred to as the, the gold standard. Um, and is that just because of the, the, the foundation technology that it, it brings to the table or just that it's first? Yeah, I think there's there's a number of elements. The fact that it's first and by virtue of being first is probably the most tested um, blockchain out there in terms of, of security and, and hacking and, and the fact that it's still um, out there running, scaling, growing and, and hasn't had um, any major issues has is incredible, an incredible testament to um, the developers that work on it and to Satoshi who came up with it in the first place. So now, now we've got over thirteen hundred of these different types of coins out there, uh, and if I mean I'm I'm kind of going off uh, a little on the side here on the investment side, just trying to understand the whole um, spectrum. Uh, how do you 
gain a grasp for what's behind all of these coins or all these different types of digital currencies. Um, you know, is, is it all based on the fundamental one implementation of blockchain, or is there some core fundamentals that uh, that they're all sharing, or how does that uh, under the hoods look? Yeah, I'll, I'll kick this off and I'd ask Sean to, to supplement as well, but it's, you know, essentially you've got different tokens that um, some of them are more like a, a currency, some of them are more a representation of equity, other ones are utilities. So if you think about, you know, a utility token, if you went out to buy, um, say, um, cards or minutes to use for a telecom network, that minute that, minute that you're buying gives you utility and access to the telecom network. So a lot of tokens that are out there are similar in that space where you buy a token and it gives you access to the utility of the blockchain network that you're using. Um, and so there's there's different opportunities out there. And then some of the, the most interesting ones, and I think one of the sectors that's going to grow most significantly in the coming years is going to be around crypto equity. Um, and being able to share proportions of companies or houses or cars or whatever it is um, on the blockchain. I don't know, Sean, do you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the key thing here is to understand, um, to demystify you know, what is cryptocurrency and what are coins or tokens and so on. Um, and really what the technology is about is it's a, a shared database. And because it stores um, information um, about things of value, sort of representations of, of assets, whether those are physical assets or digital assets, um, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of ledger. And so the ledger enables you to put any values into the ledger and define um, the stores of those values, who has control over them, um, who owns the underlying assets. Uh, and uh, so you know, rather than thinking about this uh, in terms of currency, the way that we think of currency like money that governments um, issue, I think it's a, mo- a lot more useful to think about um, crypto tokens um, in, the, in the sort of analogy of the kind of tokens you would get within, you know, within a gaming arcade. Um, and there are many different gaming arcades Arcades and they each have their own tokens and they have their own value proposition for what you would get um, for your token and what machines you can play on in the gaming arcade. That, that's a very and, interesting uh, analogy. And why the, um, vari- yeah. So this is why the variety of, of, uh, of crypto tokens is really important. Um, it, it's actually one of the, it's one of the key uh, kind of one of the most fundamental exciting things about these technologies is that they're allowing for, for a lot of diversity you know nature creates diversity that's how that's how uh, things evolve that's how uh, the natural world um, uh, survives uh, changes and uh, and so what the blockchain is allowing for is a lot of diversity that is um, that that is, is enabling all kinds of value stores and new business models and uh, new ways of storing information now uh, when you talk about utility and um, you know the store of value, and you know we see things like like right now what's going on in the in the value of coins that are going through the roof and then crashing again, and yet there's no inherent value. There's no uh, nothing that you're actually trading there. It's just the the commodity itself, if you will. Um, and how does that differ from the utility class of uh, of coin, where you know the 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 value it is is isn't is, isn't fluctuating is as great. How does that how does that work on a technical level? How, like how does that differ? Well, I I, I guess um, there's a big difference between Bitcoin and and almost the rest of the cryptocurrencies um, because Bitcoin doesn't link to any underlying um, 
um, specific uh, asset class. It is an asset class in itself. It's just come into existence. Whereas all of the other tokens really represent some uh, some form of uh, value that can be accessed, or some form of value that uh, that is that is registered and and ledgered and that can be transferred. Uh, and so. Um, so, so the the um, uh, the intrinsic value is, is is based on what you can do with the coin. So, for instance, um, with Filecoin, which is an example of a very successful protocol-based uh, crypto token, you can access uh, you can access file storage. Um, okay. You can access decentralized file storage. Yes. Yeah, so it's really being able to buy things that you previously couldn't buy. It's being able to create marketplaces out of networks. I mean, the, this is the exciting new world of a whole new economy that's been created through these capabilities, rather than through the money, but through the cap through the, the digital uh, and cryptographic capabilities of these systems. Fantastic! That's really quite interesting. Um, I think we're going to take a little break here. Um, you're listening to the Art of Software, and uh, thank you for your time. We'll be back with uh, blockchain utility. Um, good, dig a little bit deeper on how to use blockchain. Uh, with our guests, Anne, uh, Anne Connolly and Dr. Sean Conway. You're listening to The Art of Software. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Higher education faces lots of changes. If you are a student, educator, or in the workforce, you'll want to tune into Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Your host, Dave Goldberg, and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself. The world of higher education is constantly changing. Stay on top and stay ahead of the rest. Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Art of Software. 
with Martin Lacey. To connect with the show today, you may call into 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd prefer to send an email, you may send it to m.lacey at laceytechnology.com. Now, back to The Art of Software. Welcome back to The Art of Software. I'm your host, Martin Lacey. Today, we're talking with Ann Connolly and Sean Con- Conway. Uh, Sean is in South Africa, so we're having a little problem with cutouts, but uh, I'm, I think we've got it all worked out now. Uh, Sean and Anne are from the Exo Foundation, and we're talking about blockchain. Now, we're going to dig a little bit further into blockchain and talk about the different types of blockchain. So, I understand that there's Ethereum, and from what I've just been reading, there's some, something called the IBM Hyperledger Fabric. Now, are, are those the two, two fundamental blockchains, or are there others, or how, how do they differ? What's the difference? And can you explain those two to me? Anna, Sean, yeah. are you there? Yeah, oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> not. No, and there's, so there's a number of blockchains out there. I mean, when you look at, at say, Bitcoin, um, its primary functionality is to tell you, you know, where Bitcoin is at any at any given time and transfer it to another person. Um, Ethereum is interesting because you can use it to actually write something called a smart contract. Um, and so when you think about contracts in a traditional sense, you know, if you're writing one between you and your neighbor or what have you, um, with Ethereum, you can actually code a smart contract between the two of you. And so it'll say, um, you know, if this happens, then money will transfer. So I think my, my favorite example is, is, you know, let's say we wanted to have a bet on a, a football game, um, but I didn't trust that you were actually going to pay me at the end. We could code a contract using Ethereum that will say, okay, at the end of the, the game, uh, you check this website for the score. And if my team wins, you transfer $100 out of your wallet and into mine. And then that contract will automatically execute itself. And then at the end of the game, we can both go and check and see that the the bet executed itself the way that it was supposed to. Um, and so that's where there's additional functionality. And then you can get into other blockchains. Um, you can look at uh, Monero and, and um, other ones out there that have all kinds of different functionality, different levels of um, anonymity and privacy. Um, and uh, essentially, some of them, you know, will send faster. Some of them will enable better operations for building DApps and um, and that kind of thing. So it's it's nice to see that there's a variety out there um, that enable you to really uh, execute on on whatever it is that you are you're hoping to do with your transactions and with your applications. So when you're deciding or looking at uh, building a project with blockchain, where would you start? Uh, w- would you choose Ethereum just as a as a base, um, or you know, because of the ability to write your own contracts? I think it really depends on what problem you're trying to solve, and I think this is this is key to the beginning of any business is really looking at you know what what am I trying to achieve, um, and then which blockchain is going to give me the functionality that I want to do that, um, and that's that's where you're going to find um, a lot of the the solutions there. Now, there's a lot of uh, decentralized applications that are being built out on Ethereum, and Part of that, you know, is the great functionality of the blockchain itself. Another part is that there's an incredible network of people working in and around Ethereum. Um, and so there's good education for coding and solidity. And there's, um, you know, good resources at meetups. But if anybody's interested in, in learning how to do this, my, my biggest piece of advice is always, you know, start with the white paper, read up on it, um, read up on blockchain. There's some really great resources um, online, particularly at blockgeeks.com is very good. Um 
And then um, head to the meetups, meet other people in the space. This is an incredible community that is really keen on helping each other learn and grow and um, fundamentally produce some really transformative applications. So is this is this coming out as a more of a community-based development effort um, or is it, is it uh, a, a private sector kind of initiative? This is really a technology that is going to transform everything across the world. So there's an incredible number of community-based open source projects that are happening. Um, IXO Foundation, for example, is is completely open source. Um, and what you get from that is this, this incredible worldwide growth um, of applications that benefit everyone. But at the same time, you know, there's also private developments that are happening in bank networks and insurance and a lot of other places as well. So I think, you know, when you look at the scale of the impact of blockchain technology, you're going to see this having, um, you know, I don't want to say exactly the same or more, but, you know, having a kind of internet level of, of implication in terms of all the different areas that it's going to touch and all of the, the different industries that it's going to either eliminate or, or transform. So is, is it um, just extensions on a, on a fundamental base, uh, a technology, and there's additional additions being added onto it and those are being used? Uh, to build uh, a particular application or a, an implementation of a blockchain or a, a coin offering? Or uh, is it um, more fluid than that and it's, it, it's really um, uh, anyone can build up their own blockchain and, and just publish it and, and start making use of it? You know, for instance, like I can take uh, the the open source implementation that Exo Foundation has and and create a private blockchain for my own organization. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so so typically we think about blockchains as having application levels or layers, and at the base layer is the core blockchain, um, and then applications get built on top of that. Um, now, core blockchains um, can be can be forked. The, I think this is quite a quite a, uh, a really interesting concept um, that you can take a code base and you can fork it. So it means you can create a duplicate copy and start running that copy as a separate um, network using exactly the same code base or evolving uh, the code into something that's more uh, purpose specific and has specific features that the community that wants to run that, that new version of the code base um, chooses to have. On top of that blockchain, then you have an application layer um, which is both a business application and also a technical application. So, for instance, you know, you can use the basic functionality of an escrow, which is um, which is one of the very sort of most most minimum um, functions that you get on on a blockchain on any blockchain, and you can build whole business models around escrows. For instance, um, that's just as an example of a business application more than a than a technology application. But of course, the blockchain is really um, just one part of a decentralized internet, and uh, it's it's a it's a fundamental reworking, a re reengineering of the internet that we know today. So the internet um, we we've all grown up with is uh, Web 2.0, and we've seen that it's become really centralized, um, and uh, and and that comes with a whole bunch of problems. And so blockchain is part of a decentralization effort. Um, it's not the only part of the decentralization effort. There's also new web standards for the decentralized web, um, which encompass everything from you know, how content is addressed um, to uh, how information flows uh, um, uh, and uh, how, how nodes in the, in the network find each other um, and, how, and how information is formatted. Um, so when we talk about blockchain, I, I really think 
it's blockchain in inverted commas because uh, it encompasses a broad range of new protocols and technologies that all, all contribute to this new web, um, which is a very powerful uh, new utility for humanity. Right. I see. So uh, is, it, um, uh, is, is there a fundamental language that all the blockchains are built on? Like I, I prefer, uh, I use C-sharp an awful lot now and uh, JavaScript and things like that. What's, what's blockchain written in? And smart contracts specifically. Is it because it seems like there's a, a way, a mechanism for not only distributing um, uh, value, but also distributing um, uh, logic technology as well. Yeah, actually distributing applications within the blockchain. So I can say, I mean, Ethereum uh, is coded the, in Solidity. Um, I'm less technical on this side, so I'd ask Sean probably to jump in and explain a little bit more. If he's still with us. He's still with us, Sean? <laughs> yeah, 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 I am. Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, so um, so just just uh, as a disclaimer, I'm also not, I'm not a technologist at this level, but um, but there, there are a number of different language implementations of blockchains, and um, and um, uh, so we're, we're seeing uh, you know this being part of the variety that is coming out, and uh, I like to actually use the analogy just from a from a sort of relatively layperson's perspective. Um, of uh, of databases, you know. So I think we're all familiar with the most simple uh, form of database, which is a, a spreadsheet. Um, and uh, possibly 10, 15 years ago, um, if you ask your mother what a spreadsheet is, she, she wouldn't have known. Whereas today, um, she most likely does. Um, and uh, and so uh, so you have everything from a very simple uh, database, which is a simple blockchain, um, relatively simple like Bitcoin, um, all the way through to very, very sophisticated databases uh, that uh, can perform all kinds of um, specialized functions um, and, uh, and what, what we need to look at when we're uh, choosing a blockchain infrastructure and when we're deciding where to start building is what is the purpose of what we're trying to do, you know, what are the features that we need. So really starting from um, understanding the requirements and then translating those into, into technical specifications and then looking at, at you know, how do we achieve the functionality, which of the blockchains um, do we use, both in terms of language, but also in terms of um, in terms of the kind of consensus uh, that gets established, uh, the kind of security, uh, the uh, the speed of transactions, the amount of data to be stored, um, and so on. So there, there are many choices to look at, or many considerations to uh, to make. Um, what Ethereum uh, presents, though, is a kind of multi-purpose. Uh, um, world computer type of blockchain, which enables uh, uh, computation to take place in very small um, uh, 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 computer programs, which are called smart contracts, um, and to store small amounts of data. Uh, so it's a great starting point. It's a great playground to be able to, uh, to work on different ideas and to test out these ideas um, um, in, in a, either a private or a, or a, or a test net or, a pub, or the, public, uh, the public blockchain. So from my, my understanding, smart contracts are, uh, as you say, little applications, uh, small bits of code that execute uh, uh, um, uh, a set of logic that resides within the blockchain itself and is verifiable within the blockchain. How does that compare contrast to decentralized apps? Now, can, can you contracts can't call outside the blockchain? Correct, or how does that? How do you involve things that are outside the blockchain, and is that the role of the decentralized apps? So smart yeah, so contracts will 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Sean. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 just to, just to to clarify some of the terminology around this, decentralized applications are essentially applications built on blockchain technology, um, and smart contracts are, as, let's say, a sub a subset, which is particularly kind of let's say uh, what what what's uh, what they're called in the Ethereum um, ecosystem. Uh, so, um, so decentralized applications. Uh, can uh, can run on uh, can run on the block uh, on the blockchain. They can be executed um, in a way that they can speak to other uh, other bits of code on the same blockchain. So you can get interoperability between um, the applications that are running on that blockchain. In order to speak to the outside world, the blockchain, if in, in the Ethereum example, can't really call out, but it can receive messages coming in. Uh, and so and so one of the one of the design considerations is. You you know how you monitor and 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 check for state changes within the blockchain. And the blockchain really is its primary function is to store state. Um, and so and so you can call into the blockchain to any one of the nodes within the network and establish what the current state is uh, of a program or of the data associated with that program uh, within the block that has been written. Interesting. So, uh, what would make a good Say you're having you're running your own business. What would make a good uh, candidate for a blockchain project? Say we're we're going mm, to an experiment. Say an ex a lot of companies want to jump into the Ethercoin or the the um, the blockchain bandwagon and and try and see what they can how they can adopt it and how they can make use of it. How, what would be a good good way to get into it for a business? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm gonna. Ask Anne to to answer this one because uh, she always seems to have a lot of um, interesting <laughs> anecdotes about, about the blockchain community. I think I mean really anywhere where you have um, a business that involves untrusted relationships. So if you're making transfers for say and uh, with people who you know you don't trust each other, any type of decentralization there can be um, very good. Uh, I think one of my favorite programs that's out there that's using Ethereum uh, is actually working with the World Food Program. Um, and so they have an incredible program that looks at how to transform food aid using decentralization um, so that you can essentially enable people to access food um, through cash transfers on blockchains, maintaining this transparency and this trust between um, people on the ground and government agencies and, and middlemen through that process. Um, and so I think that's really at, at the key of it is when you have untrusted relationships, um, decentralization and, and blockchain can create trust in, in these situations. And what would be a what would be something that you definitely don't want to do with blockchain? A lot of companies will will want to add blockchain to what they're doing um, because it's you know I mean it's the latest technology it's very exciting and that's great but I mean if you're if you're working in an office and you're all trusted parties and um, you know in, in a lot of cases a regular old database is good enough you know um, and so I think I would really encourage people to take a look at you know what is again what is the problem that they are trying to solve uh, do they really need blockchain for it because in a lot of cases it can add um, a lot of friction in cases where you don't actually need the benefits of blockchain to be there. Right. Yeah. It's there's a lot of overhead just in a, the validation side of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of duplication um, with storing, right. you know, copies of the data on nodes around the world, um, and we've got, you know, good high quality databases out there right now that can really do the trick for the vast majority of companies that are out there. Um. 
Okay, so how how is the enterprise viewing um, blockchain adoption? Are are they uh, exploring it, or because you, you hear about it in the news and you know companies here and there are are taking a, a swipe at it? Uh, do you see that happening, uh, broad stroke? Yeah, I mean, I think what I've seen over the years is that the image of blockchain um, has changed a lot. So in, when I got started, uh, you know, no one was touching this technology publicly anyway. And then I think the moment it really started to change was when NASDAQ got involved. Um, and now we're seeing this shift where companies really want to be involved in blockchain, not Bitcoin. They want to be involved in blockchain. Right. Um, and, uh, and so there's a lot of great projects that are happening. And I think a lot of the companies that even aren't talking about it are still working on things in the background before they're ready to, to actually announce. Excellent. Okay, I think we're going to be moving on to a break here. Um, so when we come back with the art of software, we're going to dig further into blockchain, see how we can start developing with it, and what the EXO Foundation has done and uh, where they're going with it. Uh, so thank you very much, Anne and Sean. We'll be back with you shortly. Uh, thanks very much. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. In this fast-paced, technologically-driven world of business, the stress can be crushing. It's exhausting business leaders and burning out good employees. It is not enough to work from the top down. We must now learn to work from the inside out. Listen to Innovative Mindful Solutions with Terry Geller. We will discuss ways to transform roadblocking emotions using mindful-based tools you can incorporate into your business and your life right now. Don't stress. Tune in every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on The Voice America business channel moving forward can be difficult to do sometimes there is always something going on many times nobody else knows exactly what you're going through if you are experiencing pain or loss even something unexplained that is missing in your life you'll want to tune into go for it with host joe hausman joe and her guests will show you laughter and love Sometimes you just need something a little positive in your week. Make that spot Thursday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Art of Software with Martin Lacey. To connect with the show today, you may call into 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd prefer to send an email, you may send it to m.lacy at lacytechnology.com. Now, back to The Art of Software. Welcome back to The Art of Software. I'm Martin Lacey. We're talking today with Ann Connolly and Dr. Sean Conway about blockchain and cryptocurrencies. 
In this segment of the show, we're going to dig a bit further into uh, uh, how do you start a uh, project with blockchain, and and uh, we'll go from there. So, welcome back to the show. Um, so, Anne, oh, how do you get going with blockchain in a project? How do you initiate it? What type? What's the uh, project team look like? Um, so in the very first, I mean, you need a really great team in terms of having technical knowledge, but then also business knowledge. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're solving a problem and you're starting a business, um, you need the 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 skills to actually build out the, the technology, but you need the people to roll it out as well. Um, and one of the interesting things in the space, for anyone who's curious about learning how to code um, in blockchain and develop projects, there's a massive talent gap for highly technical people right now. So I highly encourage all of you who are out there and thinking about getting into blockchain from a technical perspective to please do so. We need so many more good people. Um, and that's been one of the biggest challenges in the space is a lot of um, incredible projects out there are lacking this technical support that they need. Um, one of the issues is that the, the people with the highest technical knowledge were in the space at such early days that they made a lot of money off of crypto. And so they're no longer incentivized by high salaries or perks what they want is to be working on something that's truly transformative, um, either from a technological standpoint or something that's really changing the world. Um, and so it really creates an interesting uh, infrastructure, an interesting community where these incredible world-changing ideas are getting the most support from people in the industry because that's what's driving them and incentivizing them is to really have an impact. Wow, that's fantastic. The problem is, how do you get those people on your project team? <laughs> you got to inspire them. <laughs> That's the kicker. You got to inspire them. You got to have a cool swag and some good laptop stickers. Um, <laughs> but really let them know that what they're doing matters. Um, there's a lot of people out there that just don't want to spend the time that they have uh, working for a bank. They want to be out there creating, you know, technology like XO and like uh, some of the other stuff that's out there that's really changing the way the world works and um, often, you know, opening up access to uh, economies that didn't exist before. So in order to make this uh, make a really successful project. Oh, sorry, Sean. Did you have something? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So it's, what I want to say is that um, that one of the most exciting things about about blockchain technology is is how, how it has a powerful uh, coordination effect and incentivization effect. So um, so blockchains are fundamentally about networks, networks of computers, networks of people, and really most of the projects uh, in the space are, con are brought together by networks of people. So I, I don't think there's this is with hardly a project, including our own, where where you wouldn't find that the team is really quite distributed, internationally distributed, um, and uh, and what incentivizes people to work together in this is is partly the working on cool projects and doing great, you know, uh, world changing kind of, kind of things. Um, but the the other part of it is that if you create a network that has a shared uh, token of value, uh, and everyone gets a piece of the pie, it's a bit like kind of Kind of creating um, creating a, a, a an employee stock option um, scheme, you know, from day one, from the get go, um, but far less complicated and much more, much more rewarding, much more fluid, much more much more uh, uh, much more tradable and, and inclusive um, because it's easy to bring people in, it's easy for people to move in and out, and so people aggregate around the value, they aggregate around the network and, and the projects, um, and are able to be incentivized for the contributions they make and for the value that they create within the network. So it's kind of uh, open source uh, value system um, with uh, a little it's, bit of... It's radically, yeah. 
Mm. It's radically open source. Um, but um, uh, so the, the the code base is usually is usually completely open source because uh, blockchains are are public, uh, and so the value really gets built not so much in the code, although obviously code. Um, the code uh, code evolves and and gets better and better, um, but the value really gets created through the networks that are that are established around the use cases and around um, around around each sort of community that participates within the network. Right, like any any great project, you have to have a really good idea and the uh, the right team put together, not only technically but as well from the business side. So there has to be a great application for your for your idea. Um, so putting your team together involves grabbing those right technical resources as well as the right business resources. Uh, have you got any idea or any experience with the right size of team? Um, or uh, how do you structure your team? Because you're going to be building out with various levels of skills. You might get your one, perhaps two people that have experience in blockchain on your project. Um, what What's the typical team composition for a for initial uh, cut at a business trying to do a blockchain project versus one that's been doing it for two years. Mm. Yeah, so I so I think I think that um, most of the projects are fairly small teams, um, three to three to ten people, um, but are working on really proof of concepts. Uh, where where the shift really needs to happen is where this goes from concept into into the real world into really scaling up. And there we need to, you know, go to more traditional um, networks of, of, of people, um, you know, and scale up through people because really adoption is going to happen through individuals uh, inter- interacting with the blockchain, with the applications, using the applications. And that's still quite a, quite a, quite a, a high barrier to entry in terms of people understanding it, people being able to manage the, the cryptographic keys. Um, and uh, and so a lot of education is needed, uh, and a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of sort of exciting uh, u- uh, user interfaces that people as compelling as the user interfaces that we've all become um, sort of familiar with within the uh, the mobile applications and Web two kind of kind of uh, context. When you when you build for blockchain now, presumably you, you could it also works on mobile devices and things like that, or that's the key delivery is is to be able to access your your uh, your blockchain through your uh, any device, correct? Yes. So it was not primarily um, created for mobile devices, and to be honest, um, it, that's what been one of the areas of most uh, most challenging tech, technological development is to bring the capabilities that are required um, for a decentralized architecture um, onto a, a mobile device. And, and and I know that kind of maybe sounds contradictory because mobile devices are very decentralized. Um, but having crossed some of the technological barriers in this, I believe that this is really where blockchain is going to scale, is through mobile applications connecting to blockchains. And in fact, even blockchains running on mobile applications and networking with each other. And this is something we're particularly excited about within the context of, of communities that don't have uh, great internet access to the centralized internet service providers and centralized databases and so on. Um, and so, so really, this this is a this is a huge area for um, for technological and business innovation uh, going forward. And I, I think we're going to see some fundamental changes taking place within the next five years. Yeah, it seems like it needs to address the uh, somewhat connected world where you can be connected periodically, and then you know in 
some areas of the world like South Africa uh, or other regions that don't have internet access or wireless access, uh, it has to be still be able to function even in local areas and then somehow or other manage to hook up to a wider area network. Um, is that what you see growing, going on now in the EXO Foundation? How are you addressing that? Yeah, so I mean, just to address the, the, the technological issue here. Um, so even if you have a network of people who are all using mobile devices and they're standing next to each other um, <clears throat> in, a, um, um, in a field somewhere um, and, they, and they kind of have patchy internet access or, or mobile 3G access, they're only able to discover each other by going through some server that's probably based um, somewhere up in North America or something like that, uh, because the the addresses, the 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 device addresses, um, the IP addresses, and so on, are all held in these big central databases. And so, even two people standing right, right next to each other can only connect via a central infrastructure. That's the current day Web 2.0 um, uh, way things are configured. And uh, this. This is not really sustainable and it's not, it's not scalable um, with uh, the increasing numbers, exponentially increasing numbers of Internet of Things devices, mobile devices and so on. I think we've all had the experience of being in, in high-tech uh, conference rooms and everyone takes out their iPads, their, their laptops and their, and their mobile phones and suddenly the Internet crashes. Um, and so, so these technologies are not really only about communities that don't have traditional um, Internet uh, kind of access. But it's really about rewiring the entire way in which the, the web works. Um, and and th this is an incredibly powerful thing because it enables networks of people to connect and share information and share value in ways that have not been possible before. And how is the EXO Foundation doing this now um, with their current blockchain technology? How are they managing to get onto this decentralized distribution of, of, um, uh, of effort? So EXO is, I mean, yeah, we're a so, blockchain for so impact. Um, and essentially, when you look at the sustainable development space, the UN came out with 17 global goals about some of the most critical issues that we face in the world, everything from climate change to access to healthcare, access to education. Um, and one of the biggest gaps in the space is, is access to data. When you look at high quality, high resolution data, it just doesn't exist in the space. And if it does, it's in silos. And so this incredible decentralization enables us through the XO protocol to open up access to this kind of data that organizations and funders around the world can use to optimize the impact work that they're doing. Um, and so the, the protocol allows organizations to essentially create proof of impact around the work that they're doing. So. Um, a really tangible example of this is the work that we've done um, with UNICEF. We're actually UNICEF's first blockchain investment ever on a project called Ampli that's built on the IXO protocol. And essentially, Ampli allows teachers in preschools across South Africa to um, use a very simple mobile application and enter in how many students showed up at their school that morning. And so for students who can't afford to go to school, um, they can get government subsidies to, to teach these kids. But in order to get them right now, it's a very onerous paper-based process. And so through this Ampli application built on IXO, they can create um, a claim that says, okay, I claim I taught you know 100 of these kids today and that claim gets verified, and then that verified impact claim essentially becomes proof of impact that can enable them to access 
um, government subsidies, and then in the future, social impact bonds, impact investment. And then this data around the, the children who went to school becomes a part of this open data commons um, that can be accessed by anyone around the world, enabling, you know, essentially us to improve the work that we're doing out there um, and create a whole impact economy around the tokenized versions of this data. So you're using blockchain then as, as an open record of work, a verifi- verifiable record of work. And from that, uh, payments and other uh, fallen uh, benefits come from. Yeah, essentially, that's a, it's about proof of impact and, and being able to show around the world that you've done what you've said you've done and, and that other people are out there doing other things. And so it really enables us in the future to use this data to um, put into artificial intelligence or to spot different trends and patterns and, and use that information to do uh, better work out there in the sustainable development field and try to bring in further funding to help fill the gaps that we need to there. Um, so we've been really lucky to be able to work with UNICEF on that as well as uh, Innovation Edge and, and some of our other partners like um, SU Ventures, Microsoft, and the, the Blockchain for Social Impact Coalition as well. Very nice. So does the EXO Foundation, uh, the protocol, I mean, uh, that, that allows you to run in a pseudo-connected environment then, must allow you to reconnect, share your, le- share your ledger, if you will, and then uh, work offline again. Yeah, so depending on the application, you could, you know, if you didn't have immediate internet access, you could take uh, data information and then when you're able to connect, um, upload it then. Um, and so this is great for a lot of the locations where internet access, as Sean was mentioning before, is is not as accessible to everyone as it is, say, in North America. And then reintegrate it back into the blockchain and, and there you've got your value of work established. Exactly, yeah. Very nice. Well, it's been awesome talking to you, both of you today. Uh, it's been fun exploring what the uh, blockchain is. Uh, there's so many more questions I have. Um, I'll probably want to pick your brains a little offline. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thanks both of you so much for uh, for appearing on my show today. Uh, no, thank had, you. We've had fun today with Ann Connolly and uh, sh- uh, Dr. Sean Conway uh, from the EXO Foundation. Uh, Thanks very much, both of you. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, and we'll be talking to uh, Trenton Chamey, uh, CTO at the IoT Design Shop. So we're going to be digging into the Internet of Things and exploring what that technology space looks like. So thanks for being with us. And join us next week at, on the, uh, the Art of Software with Martin Lacey. Thank you for listening to The Art of Software. Be sure to join your host, Martin Lacey, again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of our program on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.